0: there, it's Susan Pierce-Thompson and welcome to the weekly vlog. So every five years, the United States renews and reviews and updates its U.S. dietary guidelines. This gets done by the U.S. Department of Agriculture and the Department of Health and Human Services. And it just happened. I don't know if you know that, it just happened. Every five years it happens and it just happened. And these guidelines are pretty important in that, uh, for example, school lunch programs are based on them, um, that kind of thing. And so yeah, a little over a month ago it happened right at the tail end of December, 2020. And uh, the the committee that revises the guidelines um, has an advisory committee Uh, of 20 scientists and doctors, academicians, medical doctors, uh, to advise them on the science and uh, yeah, give recommendations. And that advisory committee unanimously recommended that the US dietary guidelines cut their recommended daily max of added sugar, from 10% of the daily diet, 10% of the calories in the daily diet down to 6%. Um, And they also recommended that the daily cap on recommended allowance for alcohol consumption for men be lowered from two alcoholic beverages a day down to one alcoholic beverage a day, which is the same as for women. The women's guidelines currently are one a day. Uh, and they said, yeah, lower the men's guidelines down to that. There's good evidence that, uh, drinking, um, drinking even as much as two drinks a day for a man contributes to uh, a whole slew of cancers and, uh, all cause mortality, increases all cause mortality. And there's all kinds of evidence that, uh, eating 10% of your daily calories from sugar increases risk of, type 2 diabetes and obesity and hypertension and all sorts of things. And uh, the USDA and the Department of Health and Human Services um, ignored or rejected that advice and kept the guidelines as they are. Um, 10% of daily calories coming from added sugar is fine according to their, that's, that's uh, I don't know, ideal or, you know, uh, what's recommended um, and two alcoholic beverages a day for men. They kept it, um, you know, and they were asked, you know, any chance that business interest lobbying from business interests played into your decision? And they responded something like, well, in as much as business interests may have helped us to uh, interpret the science make sure that the science was being interpreted accurately, we listened to them or something like that. And, and their, their response was uh, upon our review, we don't think the science uh, merits making this change or whatever, which is what the business interests had said. Um, the scientists, the scientific advisory committee said, yeah, that's actually what the science says. So um, anyway, yeah, that's what happened. Um, and I bring this up. Well, first of all, it's funny. I don't know if you know this about me. I don't read the news. I don't watch the news. I don't read the news. I have very little exposure to the news. And once in a blue moon, something will happen in the news that lots of people will send to me. You know, David will send it to me. My dad will send it to me. Um, you know, a couple of people on the Brightline Eating team will send it to me. And this was one of those things. Several people sent this to me like, hey, check this out. There was an article in the Wall Street Journal about it there were several articles in prominent news outlets about it and yeah the USDA uh rejecting scientists recommendations to lower sugar intake uh recommend, recommendations on sugar intake was apparently news that everyone thought that I would want to see and they were right i mean i immediately flagged it as a potential vlog topic um you know i'm not surprised i'm not surprised i don't know if you know this but the USDA is in a really um they're in a, I don't want to say they're in a tough spot. They're in an unwinnable position because on the one hand, they're charged with, um, issuing dietary recommendations and thereby promoting and safeguarding the health of the American population. And on the other hand, they're also charged with safeguarding the interests of the United States agriculture industry. And currently, the United States agriculture industry, um, is Largely devoted to uh subsidized crops like corn that's not really edible, it's actually just used for animal feed and for making high fructose corn syrup um, soybeans wheat you know all genetically modified uh big agribusiness you know commodity crops, and of course the meat industry and the dairy industry and the u s d a is charged with safeguarding their interests so in as much as those things are actually in direct competition which in this day and age they are they're they're in an unwinnable position those things in my opinion should be separated out right uh so pro- safeguarding the interests of these industries is not the same thing as promoting the health and well-being of of the population so um i'm not surprised and i guess from a bright line eating perspective what i think about that is that I'm really grateful that Bright Line Eating gives us a solution that works even within the largely unhealthy, unhelpful, and sometimes um pretty frankly just wonkadoodle seeming food climate that we live in. It's not, in my opinion, likely to get better, better enough that sort of going with the dietary flow in general society is going to produce healthy outcomes across the board for most people in most situations. As we're seeing, you know, obesity rates have continued to increase in recent years, and 70% of Americans are overweight or obese. And I think the latest obesity numbers themselves are 42.4%, I think, of U.S. adults are obese. So we can't wait for the food climate to get better. There's just no evidence that it's going to, right? Um, and I'm so grateful that Bright Line Eating gives us a solution that works within this food climate, right? If we just go back to that idea of the willpower gap, right? That whatever's in our environment, we have brains that after a certain amount of fatigue are going to succumb. To what's there, right? Um, The options that are not healthy, and so we rely on automaticity instead of willpower. We write down our food the night before. We eat only in exactly that, and over time we automate that habit, that that ritual, that that flow of habits, right? After after dinner, writing down our food, the next day before each meal, just consulting that book and saying, okay, what am I what am I going to eat? And it really boils down to being that simple for someone who does bright line eating and within that set of habit stacks or like behaviors, what's going on in the outer climate of the food world, whether it's what our family is eating or what our friends are eating or, you know, that it's someone's birthday in the office and they've brought in food for everyone to eat or whatever, you know or the USDA is, you know, failing to adjust its dietary guidelines to decrease the amount of added sugar that they recommend people eat, you know, ultimately, none of it really matters that much. It is sad, though, and hard to think about the fact that our kids are continually being exposed to, you know, 10% of your calories coming from added sugar alone is actually a lot. Like, that's a lot and um you know our kids get exposed to that in school lunchrooms so i don't love it i'm not surprised and i'm really grateful for what we have here at brightline eating that is relatively impervious to the guidelines that are or are not supporting our health and well-being so that's what they've done out there and this is what we're doing in here that's the weekly vlog and i'll see you next week